0: Good morning, and welcome to Kingswood Church again. We're so glad you're here this morning on this July 4th Sunday, and we hope that today's been a wonderful time of worship and celebration as we celebrate our nation's birth here in the United States, but also just as we come together to worship in this beautiful summer season. As I mentioned earlier, we are continuing our sermon series, Words of Life, Seeing the Ten Commandments Through the Eyes of Jesus. And over these past weeks, we've looked at the first six commandments and what they say to us. And now we're beginning to move into our final two, which are more about our relationships with one another. Last week, we, we especially talked about honoring father and mother as kind of a transition to these more relationship and community-based commandments. We remember that Moses uh, received those commandments on Mount Sinai after the people had left Egypt in oppression, conned through the Red Sea, and then into the wilderness. And there at Mount Sinai, also known as Mount Horeb, God spoke these Ten Commandments, or as Hebrew says, these Ten Words of Life. And so we're going a little more deeply with them and understanding them more fully for our lives, especially through the eyes of Jesus. I I find it interesting in this series, many of us have said, I I knew the Ten Commandments and I've memorized them maybe in confirmation or Sunday school or somewhere, but I haven't spent time with them in a long time. So I pray that today, this has just been a, a, a good time to go more deeper, uh, to go uh, more fuller, uh, more fully into these commandments and what they speak to us today. The two commandments today are, are quite difficult, frankly. They're not my two favorite in the sense that they're just hard conversations to have. One is about adultery, which we define as a breach, break, in a marital, covenantal relationship. And the Bible has a lot more to say about it than this simple commandment we read today and then the second one is about stealing thou shall not steal or take or in in one understanding of the hebrew word kidnap which is going to be part of our conversation today and and somehow in many ways people you might have already begun to say well these don't apply to me i'm going to go get a cup of coffee or i'm going to do something but in many ways they speak directly to us So let's take some time to look at what these two commandments will say to us today. Will you pray with me? Holy God, we thank you for these ten words of life. We thank you for the way these commandments speak abundant life into us, for us, and for our community. We thank you for the first four commandments that deepen our relationships with you, from observing Sabbath to not misusing your name, putting you first, and avoiding idols. We thank you for the fifth commandment that calls us to honor father and mother, and we're thankful for the commandment that calls us to value life. Today we now look at these next commandments, and we pray that we will open ourselves to hear what you would say to us today as we explore these two simple but very profound commandments about our relationships with each other. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the conversation happens mostly like this. It's happened with friends, it's happened with church members, it's happened with uh, f- uh, people I didn't even know, it's happened on retreats, it's happened in various places where a person comes forward and wants to meet with me. And so we set up a meeting and the person comes in and I'll, I'll just say he or she begins to share the story. In some cases it's a, it's a spouse whose partner has had an affair, a sexual affair, or an emotional affair, or both, with someone outside of their marriage covenant. There's deep hurt and brokenness, betrayal, and uncertainty about how to move forward. As we have the conversation, it's, we begin to see that it certainly has deeply wounded this person, that their spouse or partner has betrayed them, but it's also hurt more people, family members, friends, children, uh, in-laws. It just creates a whole wave of deep, deep pain when that covenant is betrayed. Or the other side of it is uh, they come into the office or they I meet them for coffee, and they begin to share that they have breached the covenant. They've had an affair. They were tempted. There was something going on. They didn't mean to go there, but one step led to another, and now they have betrayed their spouse or their partner. And there's deep concern and worry and guilt and shame and uncertainty about how to move forward if they can move forward and in many cases there are um, examples of people working through this deep level of betrayal and coming out on the other side but you and i both know that there are also those examples where marriages fall apart and divorce comes and all kinds of things tumble around it now today before we have the conversation i want to say that Uh, These are deep, hard, painful situations. And if the relationship is abusive, those relationships probably do need to end for the protection of the victim. So I want to say that up front. I also want to say that this isn't about shaming or guilting to the point of no return. That gets us nowhere. It's about speaking honestly about this truth in our lives and maybe even creating tools and listening to what God says to us So we can avoid breaking, breaching, hurting a covenant that we've made in holy marriage. So I've I've thought a lot about that this week, and I've I've thought a lot about it. And the commandment is just pretty straightforward, as you heard it read earlier in the service. This commandment uh, in verse 14 is, you shall not commit adultery. But as we continue through Exodus as we look in Deuteronomy, and as we learn throughout the Torah, there's much more to say about it. In many ways, adultery is prohibited both from men and women, but because of the male-centered culture of the early Israelite faith, men and their consequences are quite different than women. And that's another story, but I acknowledge that and the sexism and brokenness that's found in that. But nonetheless, nonetheless, God is clear that committing adultery is a breach of covenant it's a breach of a commitment you've made to the one you've married, and it's, it's a breach of relationship that brings great pain. So how does this happen? And, and Adam Hamilton in his book, um, Words of Life, does a great job of talking about that most people never intend to have an affair, whether it's emotional or sexual or both. In fact, they intend never to go there, but they're tempted. There's a relationship at work. There's a person at work that they connect with or a person in some other social setting. Maybe they are working too many hours and haven't invested in their marriage or their relationship. And in turn, they find themselves slowly led down a path of destruction. Adam helps us in his book to also call it that sometimes it's overworking and overextending and over-scheduling and not continuing to stay in the relationship that can often set the stage for the consequences of adultery. I can tell you again and again, in most of the people I visited with and encountered who've experienced this either as the recipient or as the active participant in adultery, their intention was never to go there, But they were slowly led down a road of temptation, not paying attention to the way they were leading themselves to excuse the behavior. And in most cases, after it happens, there's deep shame and guilt, deep hurt, and so much work that has to be done, some of which never really gets repaired. Then Adam kind of goes a little bit further in his book, and I appreciate this. He talks about uh, uh, Jesus' perspective on adultery. And I want to read that to you today because I think it's helpful for us to spend some time in Jesus' perspective of building on this commandment. From verse 27 of chapter 5 in Matthew, You have heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery within his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body. A little shocking word from Jesus. But it's it's important. And it gets back to that kind of road of temptation. That, in fact, maybe we can all confess here that maybe some of us have, have certainly experienced an actual act of adultery in our lives. And certainly we may know someone like that. I don't know. But what we probably most of us can say is that we've been tempted to look at someone in a way that is inappropriate, especially when we're in a covenantal marriage relationship. Jesus tells us that not only the act of adultery, but the way we look at others, especially uh, if we look at them in a way of lust or desire, that we've diminished them as creations of God, we've diminished the image of God in them, and we've made them an object of our desire. We've actually already committed an act of adultery I think that's a powerful word for us because some of us dismiss this immediately I've been faithful in marriage our marriage we've been married for 20 years 30 years amen praise the Lord but in reality if we're honest with ourselves our eyes have strayed and in fact we have missed the mark and frankly we need to confess to God that we have indeed committed adultery in the way we've looked at someone else And then Adam, in his book, spends some time on a topic that's hard to talk about but a real challenge, the issue of pornography. The reality is pornography is more available to American and American culture than ever before because of the internet and electronic capability. A lot of studies have seen drastic increases in the power and profit of online pornography companies. And especially during the pandemic, many people have turned to pornography as a distraction, a sideline, I don't know what it is. And and in many ways, it also is an act of adultery, especially if you're in a covenantal or marriage relationship. Beyond the, the objectifying of those that are involved in portraying the pornography, you participate in building some sort of online sexual relationship when you participate in pornography. And most studies show that people never get enough, and so the addictive steps take them to more and more and more until there is actual destruction. And I can tell you of stories where there's never been an actual breach of physical covenant in a marriage, but pornography has entered in and created great hurt and destruction. This is hard stuff to talk about. But we're reminded that the commandment invites us to be in relationship with people, and especially those we love and make covenant with in marriage, that we honor that and keep it holy. Adam Hamilton lists up five great suggestions if you're on this track in any way, whether it's an actual temptation to physical adultery, whether it's the way you look at others in the office or at work or wherever you are, or if you have an issue with pornography. That these five things are helpful to keep us on track with this commandment. First of all, Adam says, remember who you are. Remember your many names. When you're contemplating the next step of moving toward a breach or a break of this commandment, remember that you are father and uncle and teacher and and whatever you are, that you're a husband and partner and friend and grandparent, uh, that your wife or whatever it may be, remember who you are and who you are in relationship, because that will continually call you back. This is who I am. This is who I cannot be. Number two, remember the consequences of your actions. Sometimes people don't send it through. They don't think it through because the excitement of the moment or the brokenness of their, their marriage may be in trouble, and they see it as kind of an easy fix. But the consequences and the worst possible outcomes, you should think about those. What if my spouse saw me in this relationship? What if my spouse discovered me watching this on my computer? What if my partner discovered my emotional involvement with somebody filling a need that's not being currently met in my marriage or relationship? Those are two important things. And then to rededicate yourself to God, to really enter into a time of prayer, to commit yourself to worship that keeps you on track and grounded in the love of Christ. Helpful to keep you attentive to the way God wants you to live your abundant life. And God wants you to live joyfully and in grace. And God wants you to live in a forgiving, life-filled, joyful, living way. Rededicate yourself to God. And then this is important. Whether it's happened or hasn't, whether you're tempted or have already acted, whatever it may be in any of the stages we've talked about, reveal your struggle to a trusted friend, to your pastor, I'd be glad to visit with you, or a therapist. Keeping secrets leads us to breaking covenants. So telling the truth, speaking it to someone you trust, may help you to not fall down the cliff, to go down the way of destruction but it might be a place of accountability. And then Adam says one of the best things you can do is remove yourself from the tempting situation. If you're attracted to someone at work, never be with them alone. If you go to a gym and you've gotten really connected to someone, disconnect. If you have some sort of online relationship and you're seeing that relationship and conversation shift, end it. And if you find yourself returning to sites that are not worthy of God's love and grace, that are demeaning and are a betrayal of your relationships. Be honest and stop. If it's an addictive personality, there's all kinds of resources available around addiction, and I'd be glad to help you with those as well. It's a hard word to hear, but it's important. I think we can easily dismiss these two and move on, but whether we're breaking relationship Whether we're thinking about other people, whether we objectify someone we're attracted to outside of our relationship or in a relationship, or whether we are having issues with pornography, this commandment speaks directly into this do not commit adultery. The second one is even easier to remember. It may be the one you've memorized first you shall not steal. The word can actually mean do not kidnap, and some scholars believe it was originally mostly related to people who stole people to enslave them for the work of of an empire or the work of a a person or a, a business or a farm, and some of that was going on in the cultures around Israel as they settled in the land of Canaan. It even happened in Israelite culture, and there are stiff penalties in the rest of the Torah for enslavement. So uh, that might be part of it, but it also took on possessions. And so basically it's saying, uh, do not steal others' possessions. Do not take someone's other things. And I, I think about all the things that result around that. For example, when I was a kid uh, in my fourth grade class, if you reached so many points, you could go to Slim's Quick Stop. It was like a 7-Eleven near our elementary school. And our teacher would buy whatever you wanted. And so I loved Pop Rocks, and so the day I had my points, Mrs. Richardson bought me some Pop Rocks. But the truth was, I also liked Fun Dip, you know, that sugar stick you dip in the sour powder. I loved those too, but there weren't enough points. And I remember getting my Pop Rocks, but there was a lot of kids, and Slim was waiting on people, and some folks were at the IC machine, and there was the Fun Dip looking right at me. And I thought, I could take that and slip it in my pocket and make it out, and I did. I, could, I just felt horrible the whole way back. I, I, I took it out late at night in my room and ate it uh, out of a deep sense of shame. And in the end, I, I don't remember what I did, but I just remember finally telling my parents what I had done. I think I had to go back and apologize to Slim and do some things and maybe even return money. I don't even remember the whole story. But I do remember the shame of doing that. Maybe you did that as a kid. But often when we get to this commandment, we can easily dismiss it. Well, I haven't robbed a bank. I haven't stolen somebody's property. Uh, I, I've been very upright and forthright. And that's, that's important. And I'm, thank God, right, that we've not been those kinds of folks. But what if this commandment speaks more deeply into our lives? We have a culture, as Adam Hamilton says in his book, of finders, keepers, losers, weepers. You may remember that. And so this commandment speaks into that, that if you find a a dollar bill on the street and you don't try to return it or do return it, then you have failed this commandment. If somebody leaves something behind and you see it and you take it and you don't make an attempt to restore it to its original owner, you have failed. He talks about being in Egypt Uh, when he accidentally gave too much money and a tip, way too much. And that person came back and gave it to him, and he was so impressed with that person because that person was living this commandment of not taking more than they deserved. And so that's really important that we can kind of say, well, I haven't robbed a bank, I haven't stolen any property, I've not broken into anybody's home. And that's probably true for almost everyone here in the room, right, or online. But these other nuances of finders, keepers, Can be very convicting. And then I just want you to hear this kind of hard word from James chapter 5, a book in the New Testament, in which there's kind of an expansion on the understanding of do not steal. Come now, you rich people, weep and wail for the misery that's coming to you. Your riches have rotted, and your clothes are moth eaten. Your gold and silver have rusted. Their rust will be evidence against you, and it will eat your flesh like fire. I told you it was a hard word. You've laid up treasures for yourself in these last days. Listen, the wages of your laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in pleasure. You have flattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. Basically, James goes on to say that those of us who have who have wealth whether it's a home or a car or savings or pension or whatever that if we are people who hoard or hold or are unfair in our practices we break the commandment do not steal so if we don't tip well uh, when we eat we have stolen if we don't pay fair wages to those who are working we have stolen if we are miserly in the way we are generous to others we have taken things that are really deserved by others. In ev- evidence, remember Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I told you, it's really convicting. It's really, it's really, I've really wrestled with this because, you know, if I don't report all the things on my taxes, is there something I fudge on? Then I've broken the commandment. If I don't tip someone well or pay an extra fee or, or if I, I see a mistake on a bill and don't correct it to the good... I have broken this commandment. And so I've been very appreciative of both uh, conversations today because I think it causes all of us to examine our life more deeply. Uh, If if you're troubled, probably uh, you're joining all of us here uh, online because these two probably, we thought, well, we can just dismiss those. But in fact, they call us to covenantal relationship in marriage to a respect and honor of all people, and not to objectify them or use them in ways that are evil or broken. They call us to honor the covenants of people's property and relationships. And they call us to be fair and generous and just in all of our financial dealings, from taxes to salaries to reporting to bills, and that finders, keepers, losers, weepers— is not the way of Jesus so on this day I invite you again to reflect more deeply to live more fully with these Ten Commandments and especially these two and I say this to you as your pastor if in any way these two have spoken to you in a way you need a confidant to share a struggle do it now email or call I'd be glad to visit with you, not in a place of judgment, but in a place of healing, to help you be honest and move forward to the abundant life Jesus promises. Words of life, words of life, wonderful words, beautiful words, wonderful words of life. (laughs)